Good evening, greetings, uh, whatever time of day this is for you, and welcome to the April 20th, 2020 podcast for My Spectrum Life. I'm Jessica, an autism mom, and with me is my co-host, Kelsey. Hi, how are you doing? Hope everyone's doing really well. I'm glad your neck of the woods had some storms last night, I hear. Yeah, we had some severe storms um, coming up through the Gulf, um, the whole South, so mm -hmm. we're very blessed yeah. not to see the damage. Yeah, we just got a lot of rain, <laughs> which makes for a very grumpy child. <laughs> yeah, can't go outside, get that vitamin D. No, well, and sometimes he doesn't even want to do that in the first place. So <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be a problem or recently with um, kids as they get older is not wanting to go outside and get that uh, vitamin D that they need. But because of the allure of the screens um, <laughs> for whatever reason. But anyway, um, I am so glad that everybody is uh, listening or watching. Um, how have you been doing? You had uh, with with the, the restrictions in your area. Correct. Um, so we did have some restrictions. Um, today, our governor in the state of South Carolina um, said some non-essential businesses can open up. So they're slowly but surely opening up some of our um, mm -hmm. cities down here in South Carolina. How about you? In Tennessee, it looks like the governor is going to um, allow, he's going to be working with different areas, but he's not going to extend our, um, the, la the latest thing that I heard was he's not going to extend his orders past May 1st, but there are some other uh, powers that be that uh, get to say certain things. So, um, as always, we just want to remind everybody to uh, listen and make sure you're following the guidelines for your area, um, especially when it comes to opening things back up um, and doing what they ask you to do, um, especially when you come, start coming back together in your groups, your friends and family and everything. So it'll be, it'll be great to be able to go out again and be more than six, you know, to give some people a hug. For once. I am looking forward to that. I am so looking forward to giving some people I know, a hug. me too. So, yeah. <laughs> so, one of the behaviors that we didn't, or I guess, would you call it more of a classification of behaviors that we didn't talk about last week? I would, um, because okay. last week we talked about stemming um which is a behavior mm -hmm. because it has a function to it right. um so i would mm -hmm. say it's a class classification of behavior um so i think tonight mm -hmm. we're going to end up talking about self-interest behavior aggressive behavior mm -hmm. and sensory um issues correct yeah yeah then we'll dive into the sensory issues which that one could take a long time <laughs> several podcasts to go over because there is a lot there there is. Um, in itself is. Um, so we'll go ahead. Um, so I just want to state that you have two forms of aggressive behavior. You have um, self-interest where you uh, inflict harm to yourself mm -hmm. um, with right. the um, intention of bruising, bruising harming, harming, or that deep tissue contact. And then you have aggression mm -hmm. behaviors, which is um, any harm 
inflicted upon another person. That's hitting, kicking, biting another person. That's slapping, flicking. There's there's so many. Um, some of the examples of self-injurious behavior yes. um, are biting oneself, poking. Um, another mm-hmm. one that I've seen is th- literally throwing themselves on the ground and flopping like a fish. Um, there's ones that will mm-hmm. literally headbang is the most common one, especially in school settings is that, um, right. With that being said, these are the classic, um, behaviors that you tend to associate autism with, um, each self-injurious behavior and aggressive behavior towards others, or maybe an object, meaning they throw desk or something okay. like that, um, right. Is all a form of communication. What is the right. function of that behavior? Why are they mm-hmm. doing it? What's their purpose? Yeah. Um, with that being said, um, I would suggest um, contacting a professional such as a therapist, um, a trusted mm-hmm. doctor, pediatrician, all the ones that we first talked in our first podcast about who you could reach out to. Um, talk with right. them. Be honest about the behavior, even if it's oh, yeah. raw, for, raw emotions for you as a parent. The more open and the more you're realistic about the behavior, the better results you're going to see. Because what they're going to conduct is called a functional behavior assessment. Right. What are they doing? Is it a certain type of day? Is it something outside causing it? Um, With that being said, which is going to tie into your sensory, um, Mm -hmm. is that self-injurious behavior can also be because of GERD, which is gastro... Oh, oh, the reflux, whatever the reflux, it is. Correct. Um, yeah. Could be from asthma, could be from not being able to um, get some of that deep sensory that they're looking for. Um, so that's some of them. Right. Um, from mm-hmm. there, the FBA will tell the therapist and train therapist how to better mm-hmm. help your aggressions or the behavior, aggressive behaviors. Right. Um, Because each case is different. Because when you see one kid with autism, you only see one. One. Correct. So one plan to, if two people are having head banging um, behaviors, Mm -hmm. their plans are not going to look the same. How they address it Mm -hmm. is not going to be the same. And that's for a different podcast to be able to go into technicalities of how to address those behaviors, but I wanted to bring light to some of these behaviors because these are the ones that we often see when we're out and about. These are the ones that we see um, where you see people kind of like, do I help? Do I not help? Am I supposed to be judging? I I don't know what to do kind of behaviors. And well, and then there's also the, that sometimes you just come across, um, that's the one thing where you come across people in public and you may come across a child who is having a meltdown versus a temper tantrum. Correct. You know, and there is a big difference in those. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a whole, that's a topic too for a different time. Um, just because you see somebody um, in a store and if they're, you know, they may not be throwing a temper tantrum. It may be an autistic meltdown and there is absolutely nothing you can do. You have to step back and let them get it out because there is no way you can reason with them. Nope. Their Um, logic is gone. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, but we can get into depth more in depth on that. If that is something y'all want to um, discuss it on a different show, just drop us a line and let us know, um, or, you know, let us know in the chat. Um, we'd be more than happy to cover that one as well. Uh, any kind, anytime you have a topic or a question, please feel free to email us at info at myspectrumlife.com. Uh, again, that's info, I-N-F-O, at myspectrumlife.com. Um, and that functional behavior analysis, that FBA is actually something that can be done within the school system as well. Correct. Mm -hmm. Because um, it, there came a point with, um, in my son's third grade year, I think it was, where there were so many behaviors that I myself knew were related to sensory. Correct. And not having the sensory input that he need through, needed throughout the day, uh, different avenues and ways for him to talk to people or somebody that would understand his autism and understand that he may not be able to get all his feelings out right. or not understand what the kids are doing on the playground, that kind of a thing. When those things happened, he would have some different behaviors, escape behaviors, things like that. Mm -hmm. And we wound up in our IEP meetings discussing different things. And it came down to, okay, let's perform a functional uh, behavior analysis on and see what's going on. And when it came out, you know, that's exactly what they found that it was all either escape behaviors because, and he needed that sensory input. So um, those actually, those FBAs are very, very um, important that when it gets to that point, you know, especially um, when you have, um, when you're in the school setting and you can't figure things out, um, that's, you know, don't be afraid to have them. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you're a bad parent or anything, but what it's going to do is help you. And sometimes it problem. doesn't mean the kid has a, is a bad kid or is a behavioral kid. It just means to get the qualifications and to have the school underneath FAPE, it has to be labeled as behavior to be able to get mm -hmm. that help and to be able to, you know, able to um, serve them appropriately. Um, right. There's a lot of stigma with an FBA and behavior on an IEP mm -hmm. in a school system. Yeah, so. I mean, at first, I can tell you, for to be honest, at first, I almost felt, you know, I knew what it was for, and I almost felt like um, in the situation that I was in, my situation, this is not, you know, everybody's right. situation, but the situation that I was coming from, it felt like the teachers, my child's teachers at that point in time, needed that information coming from the psychologist saying that they at the school site saying that they had sat there and they'd gone through all that to prove what I had already told them. And it did help in some extent, but not as much, but that's just right. my experience. Right. You know, that's, that's my own personal experience. I am not one to throw the baby out with the bathwater <laughs> as the saying goes. Uh, I, I look at, you know, there's, there's always, I guess having my son have autism has uh, opened my eyes to looking into what's okay. We have the behavior. 
what's the antecedent or what's happening before that was right. caused this. Right. You don't necessarily have to think about a lot of those things if you have a neurotypical child. Right. Um, and because most of the time they can just uh, tell, you. tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to tell you and they may be sassy about it, but they're going to tell you. <laughs> but Which uh, goes into what Jim and Leanne Curtis, um, they said from a layman's point of view, temper tantrum and melt times little lock alike. And they do have both. They do. But that's where the ABC and the antecedent or the function, the behavior comes in. Okay. Is this a sensory meltdown and I can't tell you, or I'm not getting my way. And I'm going to try to pull one over your eyes. Um, so you right. are correct. They do look a lot alike. And there, there's a very fine line. Oh, yeah. Between the two. <laughs> it is so. a very fine line between the two. And as um, and I guess that's one of the things that um, is difficult, especially for extended family members. Mm-hmm. If you're not around a child with autism um, as often as the parents are, you know, the parental role you get used to and you know what's going to, you know, what's going to trigger them. Um, I can, you know, I will know, okay, back off. I can tell myself when I'm trying, you know, in the process of trying to correct Curtis or something. Um, I can tell if things are getting to be rough. And that's mm-hmm. when I let him, because I know that his escape behavior um, is something that's helping him. It's actually not hindering him escaping from a situation sometimes can help them understand what's going on versus keeping them right there. Right. Um, it's part of that function. When you know that that function of escaping helps them go and process. Right. And then they come back to you and then you can have a conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It's so important to, to know that function behind the behavior and to think about those kind of things. Um, exactly. But we can, that that's probably going to have to be something that we really delve into a lot. Yeah. 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 So uh, thank you for bringing that up for us. Um, so sensory issues, that mm. is a biggie. <laughs> that's a biggie. I did not. Now in our, in my experience, mm-hmm. Curtis was actually diagnosed with sensory processing disorder before he was diagnosed with autism. Okay. Um, his first two diagnoses uh, were sensory processing disorder and ADHD combined type. So, which, yeah, which was interesting. Um, One of the things I found is that most of the time it's really difficult. I haven't met, it's just, I haven't met that many people who have a child on the, on the spectrum Mm -hmm. that don't have, other diagnoses. Um, it it opens up a whole. Being on the spectrum usually means that there's going to be some other players underlining, in there right? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. one of the in, interesting that's things. My behavior, yeah, my behavioral pediatrician always told me. Now remember, you're going to have yeah. these things that present themselves first, mm-hmm. and so like. For instance, the ADHD, when mm-hmm. my son's ADHD is taken care of, that kind of peels back that layer. Right. It's shrecky on you. Um, <laughs> you know, Shrek and the onion um, and the layers. <laughs> it's, it's all about Shrek here. Um, it is all about so, Shrek. 
so it you tear you each diagnosis is like a layer and once you peel that back to um get it under control then you can figure out the underlying issues right. that you can get down to the basic of it and and help and that's when you can start to help um i you know i didn't understand um and I've learned a lot of the information from my occupational therapist and from the book, The Out-of-Sync Child uh, by Carol Stock-Krenowitz. Um, this, I am so glad that my occupational therapist, my first occupational therapist suggested this book. I really am. Um, because it was a lifesaver. It totally helped me understand so much better. Um, because... I had no idea. Um, when in school, we're taught that there are five senses, correct? Correct. Okay. Not until you get up to higher school or college, but yes. And not until you delve into something that has to go with psychology and behavioral issues, because yep. um, you think it, you know, taste, touch, smell, hear, see. Um, if you actually do an internet query on and you put in, just type in, how many senses do you have or do humans have? You get all sorts of answers because we were actually doing this. We are talking about this um, prior to going live. I had answers from, you know, as low as five on up to 21 or more. I couldn't believe it. 20. I, I only know six or seven of them. I know. I was like, hold on. I did 21. <laughs> that's what? gotta be I'm I'm thinking that's gotta be some scientist and neurologist very categories. Yeah. Yeah, it's gotta some... be specialized yeah. kind of stuff going on there. Um but this one of the things that you'll see on an OT report, you'll see things like vestibular, correct, proprioceptive, interception, um, Auditory is a big one. Auditory. Um, yeah. Uh, that is um, a huge one. You'll, you'll, they'll start talking about those um, different things. And, and then you start, um, you can, once you do the testing, once you go to an occupational therapist, I mean, if you get the diagnosis of sensory processing disorder or sensory integration dysfunction, correct? I, I think so. that's what is. It's one of the two, but it's the um, sensory integration or sensory processing disorder is um, going to be your technical term for it. But an OT can help you so much, a lot. Um, give you exercises, um, help you figure out what in the world to do with your child that's just doing like. I couldn't figure out why Curtis would go and just start walking up. It just you know, just at a slow, steady pace, walk himself into the wall. Just thunk, thunk, thunk. And be like, what is going on? <laughs> Go to an OT, put that down. He's craving deep pressure. Correct. And so that's, now he knows, instead of walking into the wall, can I have a bear hug? And so we'll just grab him and just, you know, give him a big old hug. And then he's be like, and you can just see it just come off down off of him. Right. Um, another tool we were talking about the weighted blanket. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of studies and a lot mm -hmm. of 
miss with distorted facts with weighted blankets? Yes. So you can purchase weighted blankets at, say, Walmart or Target anymore. Um, some people like them and they help. Um, they can help give you a sense of more of security, especially if you suffer from anxiety. Um, but one of the things that um, I had to learn very quickly, I was like, okay, this weighted blanket thing might be something that would be very helpful for um, Curtis. And I was looking into purchasing a um, weighted blanket. But in order to um, purchase a, by the way, thank you very much, Meredith. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying the information. Um, back to weighted blanket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I actually, um, I like to have a little bit of weight on me at night in, in bed, but my weight comes from my um, mom has made me some heavy crocheted afghans. Right. And it's just enough. And it's like, oh, yes. You know, it feels good. The stuff that you buy at, say, Target or Walmart is not necessarily going to give your child the no. therapeutic input that they need. No. You, you need to speak with your occupational therapist. So why is that? What did your OT tell you? My occupational t therapist told me that if I was going to make a um, blanket, it needed to be 10% of my child's body weight. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And depending upon how much of their therapy that they have, the OT will be able to tell you how much uh, input they need. If it's correct. And you know, when to. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So they pretty much give you the instructions and the recipe for cool words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. For I, I wound up um, going and I wound up talking to my sister and cause what they tell you to do is put these little weighted beads in it. Um, right. They're basically washable pellets. That they put like in say beanie babies or something. Right. And um, you just need to weigh those. And I talked to my sister. I was like, okay, I need to weigh these out. I need to do this. Right. You know, and we talked about it on the construction of the blanket um, as basically a quilting type thing. And so I've made one for Curtis. He also received one um, from a charitable organization there in South Carolina called Clap Your Hands. Yes. Um, love those guys. They gave Curtis a blanket that was so helpful for him. He actually got to, as he got older and he gets heavier, so he needs more weight. Correct. So what we wound up doing is combining the two blankets on him. Correct. So when he's having a really tough day, um, we put the blankets on him. Um, What's his behavior look like with the weighted blankets? How do you know when to put it on him? Like what is your, t what's his telltale sign? His telltale sign for him lately, I can see that he gets agitated. He gets starts getting really frustrated, like if he's doing schoolwork. And you could he does say not right. like I mean, <laughs> I, well, I don't know what child likes to hear you need to show your math work. <laughs> show your work. <laughs> Nobody likes to see that. Okay, so it's just you just picking up on some of his telltale to be able to Yeah. And you'll be able to see that with each individual as with your own child. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I also 
I, I talked every week. My OTs would check in with me and, you know, have any questions? How's he doing? You know, and I talk about different things and give them as much information as possible. And they would give me as much information back. So the more that you give information to your therapists, Mm-hmm. the more they can better work out. Correct. And that is so important to be open with your therapist. Even if you just tell them too much, the therapists know what to sift through and what not to, mm-hmm. they know what to focus on. Oh yeah. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah. So. Yes, they do. Um, I mean, we even sometimes would make a, um, you can make, you know, ther- the weighted blankets can go into therapy, the weighted vests. Mm-hmm. Now, and um, lap pads. Correct. Which you can make some of those for at home, but then there comes a point at which they can be written into the IEP, correct? Correct. Um, Some of my um, students, when I did severe special ed, some of them had a hard time sitting still and they would try to get up and move. And I was like, so I talked to my OT and PT, of course, went through all the channels that I was supposed to go to, and they suggested a weighted blanket. Sure enough, five minutes every hour, whole different kid, mm-hmm. whole different kid. Yeah. So yes, exactly. it can be. It is underneath fate. Mm-hmm. If it, yeah. if they, you've you've gone through your FBA like you're supposed to with the school, it sure can. Mm-hmm. That's sure what can. I I never got to where I actually wound up um, giving to the school and providing to the school the things that Curtis needed. Um, uh, He had a weighted lap pad that I made for him. Um, Then they also uh, put it into, um, I wound up then, he would play with that too much, so we wound up putting it in the backpack for him to wear that he was supposed to just wear the backpack from class to class, you know, as he went to as he went to, you know, to the cafeteria or to recess. The or, transitioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the transitioning to help him out. Um, so Jim and Leanne Curtis, which that's hi, mom. Um, <laughs> she made him. Um, she's asking me in the comments, does he still use his stretchy sock thing? Oh, I love okay. this thing. <laughs> I, I love it. So it's fun. <laughs> it's called, the technical term for that is a body sock. It is a body sock. And he loves it. He still loves that thing. I, when he gets, that's another thing is that spandex on him. Um, he just loves to get in that and then just stretch that. And that just, you know, it's as the it's, right appropriate tension back, right? Yes. Um, and he, he gets in that thing and he loves it. He'll just sit and it calms him right down. Real quick. Yeah, it's it's another tool that we found in uh, when we were doing uh, at the occupational therapy. Um, that's another thing. If you're looking for, it just dawned on me, you need to make sure you're looking for an occupational therapist that has the tools that you need. And one of the, another important thing to have is a sensory gym. Yes. Because then they have the things like, oh gosh, what else? They, they had the hammocks, they had body saw swings the monkey bars the climbing of the wall they had the barrel i mean anything you can think of with, at a jungle gym or an obstacle course right. they had it was and it's i all wanted therapy. to play on it like, I was, <laughs> like and it's all therapeutic grade 
Um, and so it, there was like, they would come up with different, you know, different colors of the different, um, materials Correct. would, um, would give more pressure or more tension. Just like, mm-hmm. I mean, you think of going to physical therapy after you've had an injury mm-hmm. and the stretchy bands they have that you do some exercises with, you know, the black band, if I remember right, and I'll figure this out sooner or later, um, the black band I think is that has the least amount of give, whereas I think it's like the red or something like that is very stretchy, a lot Correct. easier for you to pull when you're doing your therapeutic exercises, which those bands can also be used as a sensory tool mm-hmm. in it school. It can. Um, used to put them at the bottom of my kids' um, chairs and they would put it in between because you'd create a loop and mm-hmm. they would put it in between and they would kick it like a, like as if you're playing with the rubber band and they would just kick. So they're getting that movement and mm-hmm. they were paying attention. They're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not fidgeting. It's pretty much I'm fidgeting in a more mm-hmm. appropriate way. Yeah. Well, and that, Again, that fidgeting goes is a function. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yep, it, it it actually helps them to. Uh, they need to be doing something to fidget in order to help them listen and to focus. And I, I don't know why, but it works. So you know, I'm not if it's question it, <laughs> yeah, if it helps them focus and they and they're and it, it you know it helps get them in the zone for school. Or, you know, what have you, I mean, go for it. Just as long as, I mean, of course, you got to make sure it's not disrupting everybody else. Correct. Which the team and the school, including you, because you have a say, is going to be able to determine how to do that. Right. And then outside of school, say, if you're in, um, you know, scouting groups or at church groups and stuff like that, you can, you know, work with your, uh, those in charge Mm-hmm. to get those tools to be able to be used mm-hmm. so that your child can participate mm-hmm. just like every other child. Exactly. Those and this t- goes back to you talking about in our lap, a couple other episodes, being open with the community mm-hmm. and being open saying, Hey, my kid is autistic. This is what helps them. And so-and-so and tell him like, look, I'm giving you the tools. <laughs> right. Right. Don't, don't exclude him when you're right there trying to give the tools and be there. Correct. You know, I, I have come to realize that if you get, there is a point at which you, if you are in a group and it's just not working because they are not still not wanting to use the tools. Um, you know, I, we, we came, uh, across an instance and a point in our scouting career that it just, it was too cumbersome. Things were not going as the way that, you know, Curtis needed to be able to, and he was becoming a distraction. And so he wasn't enjoying it. We weren't enjoying it. And we know everybody else wasn't enjoying it. So we said, okay, enough's enough. This is not for him. Nope. Not just okay. like, yeah, just like any other neurotypical kid. You can try soccer, but if they can't kick the ball, don't make them do the soccer. <laughs> <laughs> they probably are better at, you know, football or something. I mean, right. I, I mean, Curtis really loves soccer, but he he's learned from Soccer Shots, which is a great nationwide program. And they have a special needs and power group. So, you know, 
there are organizations that are willing to work with you. So just, mm-hmm. it's out there. So you have any other words of wisdom tonight? I think you did a phenomenal job. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> we just, we just learned a lot from our OT and then kept Can't using, yeah. Cause you did it on I mean, OT is integrated with ABA. Yeah. And some of those, sometimes we do see the function of behavior, but we can't teach a a better appropriate behavior or appropriate behavior until Mm -hmm. we can address some of the sensory and address you to bring you back. Okay. You're with me now. Let's go over what we need to go over now. It's all, it's, um, it's a holistic approach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, H-O-L-S-T-I-C. Yep. Approach where everybody works together as one. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's one thing I appreciated about um, the company uh, that I, that we were, um, that you came from when we were there in South Carolina is that they really looked at making sure that, you know, it was okay for you to sit in on those OT sessions Mm -hmm. and see what they were doing so you could understand and then, you know, write notes and stuff like that because they were only once once a time. And, you know, if you have an OT organization or a speech pathologist or things that, that are willing to work with your ABA therapist, that is going to make that, your you know, therapy as a whole so much better. It does. It does. So, well, I think that about that covers tonight's topic is there's so many more to do there is more <laughs> so how can people reach out to us um you can reach us on facebook.com backslash my spectrum life instagram.com my spectrum life and twitter.com my spectrum life one and anytime you have a question or something you want to discuss drop us an email at info at my again that's info info at myspectrumlife.com. And as we always say, remember with a lot of faith, a good, huge amount of love. And don't forget them fidget toys. (laughs) We're going to make it. We are going to make it. See you next time. Bye.